The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. think of cycling and uh, especially for someone like me who's not a great writer I've been at it for about five years and I still get dropped and I still have days where I can't keep up but but it's so uh, analogous to I think the challenges of business in that you can't give up you, you got to get right back out there the next week and you try again and there are days when you go out there and you just don't have it and you fail miserably but you keep at it and you notice that over time you develop a, a stamina, an improvement, a skill, and so you have to stick to it and you got to work hard at it. And and you fail sometimes. You fail miserably. For us, the worst failure, at least for me, is getting dropped in a group ride. Right? It's embarrassing. Uh-huh. It's no fun. You you're you're having to then ride by yourself. But you, then there's a part of me sometimes that says, you know, the heck with this. I don't want to do this anymore. But that's where you fight through and you say, no, no, no. I'm I'm going to keep doing this. And I think it's so analogous to business and small business in particular. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We did a ride this weekend in Durango, Colorado, has a big bike festival during Memorial Day weekend. It's called the Iron Horse Bicycle Classic. And the origination of that was there's a steam train that goes from Durango, Colorado to Silverton, Colorado, which is a mountain mining town way high in the mountains of Southwest Colorado and there the steam train leaves at eight o'clock and in the seventies a few five or ten people decided on the first day, which is typically the weekend of Memorial Day when the train runs, let's see if we can race the train to Silverton. Wow. So that was the origin of the the Iron Horse classic. And so me and actually had a couple of friends from Dallas come up and do it. They were much better riders than me. I don't <laughs> think the altitude didn't seem like it affected him at all. But uh, so we rode this ride 50 miles at about 6,800 feet of climbing, and uh, I was able to finish. And I beat the train. I beat the train that came in on Sunday. That was my my goal. (laughs) And um, so I was ahead of it by at least 20 hours, which was good. But but I I agree with you. The idea of, you know, not wanting to quit. I wanted to quit so many times Mm -hmm. working working my way up those those, uh, mountain passes. But there's different techniques that you have to go through and think about and take it in small chunks and – you know, it's really a, it's much more a mental game than I ever ever gave it credit. Exactly for. right, and, and that's the the part I think that translates so well. It's such a mental thing. That mental right. discipline is so important in anything that we do, but particularly it translates into being a small business owner. Now, you you were you shared with me briefly in a text a story about a a young man you encountered who is a natural born entrepreneur. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I took a picture of it, and maybe we'll put it on the website one day. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, when we got we, we got on the train. Brendan, Brendan and I, my wife, were in town and we saw a kid go by with a wagon that had rocks in it 
and he ended up going to where the train came in. And as we were getting on the train, there was four or five different kids selling things they had made. Hmm. And and this kid had turned his wagon upside down and laid the rocks on the, the backside of the wagon. And as we walked by, he said, would you like a rock puzzle? I said, a rock puzzle? That's, what's a rock puzzle? So I went and go look, and he had these rocks that he had broken, I'm sure with a hammer or somehow. Right. But they were pieces of rocks that all fit together, and he was selling rock puzzles. So I asked him how much they were, and he said, well, it depends on the size of the rock. <laughs> And so I negotiated a, a dollar rock. I got one for a dollar that was broken into a couple pieces. And then I also got, for, for my purchase, I got a free penny, which was smashed on the railroad tracks by the steam engine train. I, I could have bought it, but I think it was a package deal with the with the Brock puzzle. But I, I thought that was such a brilliant idea. And the, the kid was only six or seven years old. And I'm not sure if his parents came up with the idea or he came up with the idea. But this kid is going to make hundreds of dollars throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. This year, up in Silverton, Colorado, selling rock puzzles. Yeah. And, and I thought it was just such a brilliant idea of a kid taking a, a, an unlimited resource and turning it into something that uh, he'll probably do pretty well with. It's amazing. It's marketing, right? Which is what, what yeah, we're going to talk about. That, absolutely. It's such a great story to, to lead into uh, the second podcast on this topic of marketing, which is, as we said in our previous podcast, such a huge topic for small business owners. And so we intend to, to have multiple podcasts on this topic. We intend to have uh, guests that we will interview who are experts in this field. But today we wanted to focus on some of our experiences with some of the tactics of marketing. So that, that's going to be the focus today. Okay, Henry, let's focus on the remainder of this episode on what we call call-to-action marketing. Absolutely. So define for me what uh, you consider to be call-of-action marketing. So obviously there's – different definitions of it. People call it often direct response marketing is another term for it. But basically it's when you're advertising specifically with the purpose of getting someone to take action on that ad so that they either go to your website, come into your shop, take action, call you, some kind of direct action. That's going to be, so it's an advertisement that will hopefully entice a buyer to purchase your product within a given time frame, and that's the result you want from that ad. So those are the components. It's something that entices the person to call, come to your shop, go to your website, and take an action, ideally to buy something from you, within a specific period of time. So it's not maybe next year or five years from now, but now, this month, today, this week, I want you, the customer, to take action on this promotion, coupon, offer, incentive, whatever it might be. So that's call to action. Different from brand advertisement, which is about getting people to recognize your brand and what it means, a feeling that you want people to associate with it. Those are bigger, broader goals that don't necessarily have someone take the action of coming into your business or calling your business today. So can you... Go back and help us understand where did call to action marketing, how it originated, or who are some of the proponents of call to action marketing in the marketing world? That's a big question. Um, Well, I can start with certainly my my experience back in the early 90s in a business that I owned then, the the classic call to action marketing that I used, and it was readily available and a lot of people used, was direct mail. So I would mail out coupons to a certain geography. And at that time, all I had was, here's a zip code, mail this coupon to that zip code, and hopefully 
uh, a good percentage of people would respond. And a good percentage, by the way, back then was anywhere between three to five percent. If that was the response you got, that was a very successful direct mail campaign. So that that was an example. Other examples, of course, were the ads you would see traditionally in a newspaper or some other kind of print uh, medium like a magazine. And of course, in the more expensive range, certainly back before uh, I was in business, would be a television commercial that would have some kind of an action, come come in for this Labor Day weekend uh, sale or something like that. That was a call to action. And that was what was available to us back then was TV, which was very expensive, out of the reach for most small business owners. Or you went to traditional print. You put an ad in a paper. You ran a coupon in the paper or a local magazine. Uh, and then, of course, direct mail marketing came into being more affordable, and that was really the primary method that you would use and people still use today to get something in my hands, the customer's hands, that's some kind of an offer, some kind of a call to action. Right, right. So um, it, based on what you just said, it, you recommend it for small businesses, and you, uh, we recommend it pretty heavily. And uh, do you just want to review why we recommend it? Sure. And you and I have talked about this and our challenge with this. As small business owners, we have limited budgets, to put it uh, simply. We only have so much to spend. and We have to be very careful, very judicious as to where we spend that money. And most of us don't have the luxury of spending on something that might generate a client for us two years from now, five years from now, sometime in the future. We need people to come in our doors today, this week. We need people to visit our websites to ask for our services now. We don't have the luxury of waiting. So we, we have to be very careful where we spend our money. And, and you and I have talked about this, David, and you, you get it as well. We're bombarded every day with opportunities to spend our money, right? Right. And it gets very confusing for us to decide where we want to spend our money. A lot of times we think the places that come to us and want to want us to advertise, whether it's in a military magazine or if it's in a high school yearbook or it's actually in a local, what I call micro newspaper, something that's not necessarily a newspaper that covers the entire city, but just might cover a neighborhood or two, mm -hmm. that you do have a desire to want to advertise in those magazines and publications because you think you want to help out the community right. uh, as, as many, uh, even as more so. But uh, so it is, it can be very challenging for a small business owner to figure out where to put your money and where not to put your money. Right. We're going to come back to this, this point, but I want to mention it now. As a small business owner, therefore, you must track. You must have some kind of a plan. We talked about this before in a previous podcast, but some kind of a plan and then track what you're doing. And hopefully and ideally, one of the other advantages of call to action is you should be able to track the response so that you can measure what's working and what's not. Um, now, ideally, a call to action is not that call to action can't also be brand advertisement. A, a good ad can serve both purposes. Uh, but if we talk about the, the, the traditional separation, we take, for example, just as an example, the, the automobile industry. So the, the big manufacturer, Ford, does the brand advertisement. They, they'll do the advertisement on that, that affiliation that they're trying to create between you and that brand. If it's a truck they're trying to develop for you at that level, the association that the Ford truck is, is the right truck for you and that it suits your lifestyle and look at these images of people being successful using that product. That's, that's classic brand advertisement. And then at a local level, a car dealership 
will run a call to action ad that plays off of obviously the benefit of that brand that's been built. But their call to action is come in this weekend for this sale. Come in for this limited time offer on 0% financing. Come in for the $3,000 rebate. And so those are call to action ads that play off of a bigger marketing campaign at a brand level. But most of us as small business owners don't have that leverage unless you're a franchisee. And that's one of the advantages of being in a franchise, an effective franchise, part of what you're paying hopefully in royalty is for that brand uh, advertisement that's going on that then you play off of. But for most of us as independent business owners, we don't have that. So we have to be very careful where we spend our money. But my point on this is that that doesn't mean that your call to action ad can't also leverage your brand. And one example I want to get into, David, is we recently, for one of our businesses, did a radio campaign. So I want you to speak a little bit about that. Yeah, when we first got into uh, the first business we started, the frozen yogurt shop, we decided to do a radio campaign during the slow period of the year. So we worked with a ad buyer, which was very effective and efficient in helping us purchase the right type of ads on radio. And that can be a challenge in and of itself if you're dealing directly with the radio station. It's we would highly recommend dealing with an ad buyer that uh, understands the market and understands the industry and understands the uh, particular area that you're advertising in. And so we created an ad campaign on the radio to get people aware of iTopit, and then we would ask them to go to our website. And if they went to our website, they were able to download a coupon, and at the time it was a pretty generous coupon. It was a buy one, get one free coupon. And that was uh, – a compelling enough call to action to get people to print it, bring it in, and enjoy the, uh, the yogurt that we offer. Right, so that, that's an example where the ad obviously was mentioning our name, our business, what we do. So we're building the brand, obviously making those impressions on those listeners. And as you said, we, we use someone to help us pick the right radio stations at the right time slots that were in alignment with the market that we were trying to reach. So that's, that's certainly a critical point. We, we believe we have a very clear understanding as to who we're reaching. And so that, that person who we work with was able to then find the right time slots on the right radio stations where those types of people are primarily listening. So it was doing brand awareness, but then there was the, of course, the call to action. The reality is, that, of course, not 100% of the people who heard those ads immediately got on their phone, hopefully not while they were driving, but didn't tell someone else in the car to get on their phone and find out where the nearest high topic was. They didn't all get home and print out that coupon. So there was a brand awareness benefit to it as well, tied with the call to action. At the end of the day, though, the way we measured the success of it was how many people did it bring in the door with that particular coupon? Right, right. And you want to share a little bit about some of the frustrations we went through when we were first looking to partner with uh, ad agencies to help us with our our marketing and our branding with the yogurt shops yeah. and uh, kind of the lack of metrics uh, seemed to be pretty astounding. Yeah, it's, that's a hard one for us. In fact, I'm looking at my note that I had written here. The thing I always find that's frustrating is the next consultant you meet tells you that everything else you had heard from your previous consultants is all wrong, right? 
So that, that that's very frustrating for a small business owner because because what you're hoping to have is someone come and say, all right, here here are the components of what you're doing that are good. Here are the assets that you have that are good. Let's build on those. Instead, what you get sometimes is, well, we didn't author that, so you need to throw that all away and start over. And that's very frustrating for me, certainly, as a small business owner because, because I don't have that luxury. I, I I need someone to help me build upon the things that I've done give me some ideas on what to try that's different. And we're going to talk about an example of that with a consultant that we did work with last year. And and so that's very frustrating for me. Yeah, it was frustrating for me too. It seemed as people, when you were visiting with them and they were pitching you ideas, they tend to be based on what they were good at. So if they were very good at TV, then they recommended a TV campaign. If they're good at radio, if they were good at uh, direct marketing, then that's what they pitched. Mm -hmm. So now you've heard the phrase that uh, to a heart surgeon, everything's a heart problem. <laughs> and uh, I think we found a lot of that as we were kind of going through the, the community trying to find some people to help us. Yeah, and a couple of tactical things also I was thinking about as we were saying that. Uh, the person that we did end up using to help us with the radio campaign, not only was she of great help to us in selecting the right um, spots to buy, but she also facilitated the, she facilitated the creation of the commercial. And that ended up costing us, if I remember correctly, David, under $1,000. So it's definitely very affordable to have that created. We had a nice professional commercial created. Uh, we used the voice talent. But that was all facilitated by her. And, again, that was an, a, a good opportunity to leverage her expertise that we did not have. I certainly had not had any experience to date with radio until that point. Right. So on the other side of the coin, once you find a medium that you want to use, definitely get some experts involved, have them help you, help them. If you're going to buy the advertising, then use their expertise to help you with the ad buy. That's right. But to your point, we certainly didn't go to her and or we, we did, but we knew to be careful with the answer. If we asked her, is radio the way to go? Well, of course, her answer was going to be yes, absolutely. It's the best way to reach right. your market. So that was your point of caution there that depending on what they're focused on, whether it's an ad agency or or an individual broker, you just have to be aware of the fact that they're going to be in favor of that thing that they do the most or they've had the most experience with or may, or right. maybe even where they make the most commission. So you, have, you just have to be aware of that. Sure, sure. And here's a bonus question, Henry. I don't remember. How did we find this ad person? Ooh, do you remember? That is a good question. I don't. Do you? I don't. I can't remember. <laughs> she, I don't remember how we found she her. She was local in Colorado Springs, and she still is. Um, and I do, we'll have to think about that. And if I ever, oh, I think I came up with the answer. Uh, we had a consultant that we were using with the, op, with the operational aspect of my other business, the car washes, and he just went down and went down the yellow pages hmm. and websites and started finding marketing Interesting. folks. And so. then we chatted with her. We, we, we liked what she had to say. We thought she would be good to work with. Um, and, and we decided to give it a try and it, and it worked right. out well. She, she, she was great and she helped us a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very happy, very pleased with, uh, working with her. So just to, to summarize on the radio, a, a radio campaign, our belief is then tied to what we said about call to action marketing, that that campaign and this, this, by the way, if I recall correctly as well, was advice we got from her as well, which is it needs to be tied there needs to be a call to action there that's tied ideally to another asset, meaning, for example, for us was the website. We were telling people, go to the website, and there you will find the coupon. 
It could have been, you know, come in on Saturday from two to four for a special or come in for whatever or visit my website for some kind of a discount. But that call to action component was the key thing and making sure everything was in line with that. Sure. And if I remember, Henry, you were tracking the uh, hits on the website as this right. campaign was going that's on. Right. Do you want to share a little bit sure. about we that? We saw a tremendous spike in number of visits to the website. So that's the other thing that we had in place. Whether you're using Google Analytics or you're using the analytics that are provided by the site that's the, the service that's hosting your site, you don't have to be very technical on this, but certainly either you or someone within your business needs to be able to be ready to measure what the results were because that was part of how we measured it because as going back to the part of it which was brand awareness we also saw that as a secondary win if it was driving traffic to the website because even though they may not have used the coupon they might have not they might not have uh, <laughs> to edit that out even if they would not have used the coupon we know they went to our website they learned more about us they may that may have been the first time they had heard about us so that was a win for us as well not just using the coupon. Sure, sure. The thing that's hard with that, David, and that uh, we'll speak more to this in a subsequent podcast is in a case of a business like that where we're not selling anything on the website, so a conversion, if you will, for us is simply for them to visit us, there's no way to track that. So that gets a little tough for a small business owner. If all we got out of that radio campaign was a bunch of visits to our website, I would not consider that a success. Right. And that goes back to what you were saying is call to action is actually got to get them in the door, get them to do something. And it goes back to what we will iterate several times in this in this podcast is you have to be able to measure that. How else how else are you going to know? It can't be it seems like we're busier. People have told me that they saw it. That's good, but you have to be able to measure it in my opinion. Right. Right. So the second uh type of marketing we want to talk about is something that uh, kind of came to us. I'm like to go back and think about how this came to I, us. I'm they, pretty sure he walked in like we have and all small business owners listening have uh, yeah. hundreds of people that walk in every day trying to sell us something. Um, I believe he just called on us, whether he walked in or, or called you. I not I can't remember, but he pitched us on the idea and we thought it was compelling. And that's this register tape coupon at a grocery store. Right. So give a little bit of background of why you felt like that might be something worthwhile for our business. It took me a long time to get my brain around this. So I'm going to let you speak to this. Well, and I think that's because uh, we, we've mentioned this before. You think long and hard before offering a coupon or a discount, which is great because that, that helps us kind of balance off the ideas. And I think has kept us in check over the years on not giving it away, not discounting too much, not couponing too much. And we'll, we'll talk about that very topic in the future because I think it's important. But in this case in specific, we have our second location of our self-serve frozen yogurt shop wasn't performing where we would like it to be. We're in a shopping center that when we first evaluated the location, thought it would be fantastic and that we felt there was a, a lot of traffic in the shopping center at one end of it is a grocery store anchor. At the other end of it is a Kohl's department store. And in between is a bunch of smaller spaces like ours. Um, and we thought that that would be great for us, but it, but it hasn't been the case or hadn't been the case. And part of it was just capturing those people that were coming into the shopping center. They simply were not noticing us. And so one of the things we explored was 
what if we did run this coupon on the register tape at the grocery store that's in our shopping center and get that person who's already in the shopping center to get this coupon and be enticed to come over and visit us. And so that was the idea behind it. Okay. And we've been doing it for about a year. That's right. At this point, and how do you feel like that campaign's gone? I think it's gone well. We we certainly track it and we measure it. So it's a separate coupon, a specific coupon that we track in our POS system so that we can count then on a monthly basis how many we're getting in. And then I, I've mentioned this earlier. I do a simple math. If I take how much we pay for this per month, I divide it, divide it by the number of coupons that we get, and that gives me an estimate on my cost of customer acquisition. And then I use that when you and I then discuss, all right, does that still make sense? Or do we take that money and spend it elsewhere? That's one measure that I can look to to say, well, this promotion here, this coupon that's costing us X has generated, you know, X number of, of new customers. I actually don't know if they're new customers, so I have to make that assumption. But I've got some kind of measure to it to decide whether we continue it or not. And so far, we've decided to continue it. But at some point, I might look at those numbers and say, you know what, I think it's better to spend this money elsewhere. Right, right. And so that campaign has been a good one. And I, you bring up a good point as far as how you track it. One thing we recommend is in the point of sale system, if you've got multiple campaigns going on, figure out how to track each individual campaign. So if you've got a dollar coupon that's on a register tape and – being mailed out or is being done through affiliate marketing, it does make sense to go ahead and track it individually. Absolutely. Um, you know, back in, back in the old days uh, before I had a POS system at my pizza franchises, we used to physically collect the coupons and I would spend Saturday evenings counting coupons because it was so important to find out which offers were working, which ones were not. Now we have, for most of us as small business owners, we have POS systems that are affordable where you can track these kind of things. But if we think about other businesses where you don't have a POS system or maybe you're dealing with the client directly and there's not a transaction like that where you can track it, that goes back to this concept of asking people how they heard about you and how they found you. So that you always want to ask that question or measure that so that you know what's working and what's not. And again, one of the key components, in my opinion, to call to action advertisement is you have to be able to measure it and it's got to be performing well by comparison to where else you could be spending that money. Right, right. And depending on the size of your customer base, that asking your customer, where did you hear about us, could be challenging or it could be very easy. I think about it in contracts to a roofing company. There's been a lot of roofing activity in our neighborhood in the last three to six months due to the weather. And when a roofer advertises in a magazine, like a local coupon magazine that comes out, you'll see four or five of them advertising in there. It might cost them 5000 or $10,000 to do that. Well, that only requires one customer to come in, use their service for that advertising to pay for itself. Right. So it's if you only have 50 to 100 customers a year, like a roofing company, for example, mm -hmm. it's much easier to track where did that customer hear from you. That's right. If you have thousands of customers like we do in our businesses, it can be challenging. Now, we encourage our employees all the time to ask that question when somebody presents a coupon or they're having small conversation with them. Hey, how did you hear about us? Yeah. And to add to that point, Dave, so what, what's a challenge for a small business owner like us who might own a business where we can't afford that 
it's hard not to fall in love with that beautiful half-page, full-color ad that the rep who's selling to me tells me about how many you know impressions it's going to get and what the distribution count is. And, and it's hard to resist that, but you got to be very judicious for other types of businesses as to where you spend that money. And so a $5,000 glossy ad in my yogurt business, self-serve frozen yogurt business, doesn't make sense. Right, right. And I, I'm the worst, which is kind of ironic because I'm the person that doesn't like couponing. But uh, we had some opportunity to advertise in some yellow page books that go to the military bases around our city here. And I really wanted to do it because I like to support the military and I believe in their mission and I believe in we've got a lot of great customers. But at the end of the day, it just didn't make financial sense to do yeah, it. Yeah. And it's funny because you and I have spoken about this a lot. And the way I like to summarize it is you, you have a business to run. If you want to write a check for charity, go ahead and do that. But but don't confuse the two, right? Good point. Now, Good sometimes point. we do have the opportunity to support the causes and the things that we believe in through our business. But but don't make the business suffer because you want to support a particular cause or group or organization. It has to be a, a very cold business decision in most cases. Sure, and I'd even take it a step further. Or you like a particular morning show. That's right. Yeah. Or you like a particular TV program. Exactly. Or you like a particular sporting event that takes place in town that you want to advertise on. You've got to, you've got to put all that aside and decide, is this really going to help your business? And the other thing, that, um, from an actual perspective, to wrap it up on the example of the register tape ad, uh, well, two things. First of all, what we're hoping you're thinking about as a listener is different ways, different things I can try. I said at the outset, we both talked about that there is no silver bullet. There's no one thing that works. And for that matter, what works today may not work next year. So you're always having to explore different ways to get your message out and to reach your customers and to reach new customers. So, But going to the register tape, another critical thing is – what helps us make these decisions is we believe we have a very clear understanding in our businesses as to who our target customer is. And so we believed that that person who goes to the grocery store is in all likelihood also a very good close match to our target customer. Not that it's only moms that go do the groceries, but it certainly is often families. And so that we, we felt that was going to reach that same target demographic that we're trying to reach. And so there, it made sense there. So that's the other key component that we look at when we're trying to decide on one advertisement opportunity versus another. Sure. Sure. And as I think about these opportunities that I've either had to turn down or you had to tell me to turn down, as I think about them, they were not call to action marketing campaigns. Right. And they were branding campaigns. Yep. Even when we've done them. So a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, we, we did some, marketing with the local uh, baseball team. What, what what level are they at again? Uh, they're a triple A team, the Sky Sox. That's right. That's right. So we did a promotion with them, but it was also a combination of brand and call to action. You recall what we did there? Yeah, we did. We uh, They had a particular event, as they like to do. It seems like minor league teams are much better at entertaining the crowds during and in between the innings than major league teams. But they had some sort of event where – uh, it was a game that people would play, and as a result, the winners would be able to win I top it, uh, win I top it, free free cup coupons. Perfect. And so they're attracting that demographic that we want: families going out for an outing. We're exposing our brand to them, and we had a call to action. So the reason I wanted to mention that example as well is that again was driven by trying to select things that 
in that case gave us both, gave us some brand building, but it had a call to action. And they're reaching the same demographic we're trying to reach, which segues into the last example we want to cover in this podcast, which is this affiliation that we have with a local, local to Colorado Springs, that is, online site uh, called My719Moms and why we decided to partner with them. Sure. Um, this is, I consider this to be more partnership marketing and uh, being able to leverage each other's brand or marketing abilities to help each other. That's right. So what what, what were the reasons for picking? Se- it's pretty obvious, but what are some of the reasons why you picked 719 Moms? Well, so t- to be to be honest, this was an idea that was presented to us by a marketing consultant that we engaged last year. We, we talked about that um, a bit ago about the challenges that we've had with that. But we have learned some things and, and gotten some good guidance as well. And one of the ideas that we discussed with that consultant was looking for opportunities. These affiliate marketing opportunities is what we're talking about here, where someone else is reaching that same audience that you're trying to reach and seeing how you can't work with them. This whole, for us, again, as we mentioned, for the self-service, self-serve frozen yogurt shops, our target market is moms and the families. So this whole segment of what they call mommy bloggers, uh, it's a term I, I really wasn't familiar with until about a year or two ago. But these are, uh, as the term might imply, moms who uh, have either made a business of it or they just do it because it, that's what they like to do. But they're sharing their recommendations and ideas and techniques and tips with other moms. And they're doing so through the technology of the Internet, specifically blogs, which are nothing more than online journals that they're sharing their ideas with. And we can talk about this forever, and we will in more detail in a separate podcast, but it's this whole concept of, we mentioned it earlier, the noise that people are dealing with from an advertisement perspective, a lot of people are shut that out. And so as small business owners who are trying to advertise, we're trying to find those methods that get listened to. Uh, whether it's picking up the phone or going to our website or taking an action on a coupon that I mail you. But what we were doing here or what we are doing here is leveraging this audience that somebody else has, in this case, this mommy blog that has a good following in Colorado Springs. They're obviously reaching the same demographic that we're trying to reach with this particular business. And so we've partnered with them, and, and it's a paid relationship, so they take on advertisers. And they cross-promote. So if I post something on Facebook about a special or a coupon or even just something that's fun, they'll cross-post it on their Facebook page as well where they have a following. And and their following is the same type of people, moms primarily, that we're trying to reach. So that's what we've done there, and it's been very successful. We've done uh, play dates with them as another example. So the audience that they reach, those are moms with young children, lots of them who are looking for things to do with their families. And we've done play dates. That's been highly successful. We've done contests, all of those as, as in addition to online advertisement. They're strictly an online blogging site. And so that's been the relationship that we've had with them. Terrific. How have you felt about this particular campaign overall? It's been very successful. I think it has been one of the most effective ways to reach this target audience in a affiliate type method. In other words, there's nothing more effective than having somebody else tell your story and that someone else is trusted. 
So the reason online blogging sites, mommy bloggers are so effective is that people tend to trust the advice of others more so than an advertisement or a company trying to tell them why their product is so great. So when you can leverage that, and there's and there's got to be, of course, a, a genuine uh, product behind it, right? We, we do believe that we offer a tremendous experience for families in Colorado Springs, and we know that we execute on that. If it's, if it's hollow, if it's a gimmick, uh, if it's not, if your product doesn't live up to the hype, then very quickly people figure that out. But that's the advantage there is tapping into that sharing of that story, sharing of that trust, and that's what we're gaining by affiliating ourselves with someone like them. And when you say effective, do you mean effective for the money invested versus what you're getting out of it? Absolutely effective for the money invested, and we measure that different ways. If we take, for example, the play dates, it's just one example that they've coordinated. Every single play date that they've coordinated with us is oversubscribed. They put a limit on it as to how many people can come because we only have so much capacity at our shops. And every single one of them, there's been more people interested that want to come than we can host. The other thing they'll do for us is they'll, when they run a contest, for example, they'll capture an email address with permission, an email address, which then we can add to our database of email addresses to then reach out to those loyal fans and offer them further incentive to come visit us again. So no matter how I measure it, it's been very successful for us. Terrific, terrific. So let's uh, start winding this particular podcast down. So if you were to give the audience listeners one or two things to think about as they're creating a call to action marketing program, what would it be? I think the two things you and I have always talked about and we've mentioned in this podcast is that type of advertisement spend has to be auditable or trackable or measurable. Um, and of course, there's the actionable component, but you have to be able to track this so that you can measure what's working and what's not working. What else would you add to that, Dave? The one thing I would add to that would go back to what we said earlier, which is asking your customers as often as you can, as often as practical, how did you find us? How did you hear about mm -hmm. us? And starting to develop a baseline of where people are coming from and how they're finding out about your company. Yeah. Very important. And that's that's all part of you know listening to that customer and making sure you, you know who your customer is, first and foremost, but then listening and asking asking for this. Well, we, one of the ways, give you an example of how we've done that on some coupons, we, the instructions we give to our staff at the register is to ask that customer, is this your first visit? Right. We don't do that with every coupon or promotion because you can overcomplicate the process at the register and you don't want to do that. First and foremost, you want to make that an efficient uh, transaction. A customer doesn't want to be bothered with a bunch of questions and slow down the process, right? Efficiency is key in most ca in most cases. Right. But we've made that part of the process, and we've actually trained our staff to ask that question because that's such valuable information. Um, Absolutely. So, where did you hear from? Where did you hear uh, about us? Is important. If you're in a type of business where you don't have the ability to track a coupon or an offer or whatever, let's say you're in a services business then that question is critical, critical. Very critical. You must critical. ask how they heard about you. Right? Yeah. Uh, my wife uh, has a travel agency business, and so for her, 
there, there isn't a coupon necessarily that we can offer. So it's very important for her to ask, how did you hear about us? In particular, because if it's a referral, then she needs to be able to reward that person who referred her, right? So a right. lot of reasons why you have to ask that question. The other part of that question I like is it lets the customer tell their Absolutely. story. Absolutely, That's right. So I really do like to hear where people hear. I'd like to let them talk, share a little bit about themselves, and you can make that personal connection. So there's a few things that we're touching on here as we're summarizing, Dave. We talked about why we believe call to action needs to be the primary component of your budget and that you can actually do call to action that also builds your brand. So think about that. Trying different things. There is no one thing and what might work today may not work tomorrow. So you must try all of these different methods. We we mentioned, I, I had a quote from the book, um, Guerrilla Marketing Remix, and by the way, those links will be in the show notes as well as on our website, but that's one of the key points he makes in his book is that you have all of these different options. You have to continuously try a mix of these and see what works and what doesn't, but how are you going to know what works? You must measure it. Measure it and try it. You have it. to measure it and try it and keep making those decisions, and then use that. Yeah, use the combination of knowing who your target market is, knowing what's working and what's not, and that's a continuous process to help you then make the decision on that next thing that gets proposed to you as to whether you say, let's think about it or no. Right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, Henry, for your time today and your expertise. Obviously, uh, Henry is the expert in this area for both of us, so we're excited to have him on and helping us. So thanks for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next time on The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dreams.